Live from Chatterbox Sports Studios, it's Off the Bench with Tom Brenneman. Well, good morning. Good High school lacrosse game last night. Did we get the win? First loss of the year. Ah. Well, got to shake the rust off. Spring break okay. last week. Young team. Yeah. Going to be a powerhouse, but a young team. I'm getting a little delay, by the way, in this uh, headset. You are? Okay. I'll fix that. Paul, Reed Mouse, how are we looking, boys? Hey, we're looking great, Tom. We're, we're coming off the bench. <laughs> we are. Moving seats around, but hey. We're here. We're a champion bunch uh, here at Chatterbox Sports. KC needed a uh, day off today. Been yep. working hard. All you guys been working hard doing all the Miami stuff, right? And all the yep. baseball and the yep. softball. How's that delay now? Still there. Still there. I mean, I'm hearing myself. Oh, it's like my wife's worst nightmare. Oh, she hears me once, no. and then she has to hear me oh, twice. No. Oh, oh, no. Oh, gosh. All right. Well, I'll fix that. She doesn't even like me anymore. So for her to have to listen to me twice... Would be very, very bad. Is everything okay at home, Tom? Well, you know, when you get beat last night and, um, I, you know, I got to contain myself here. You get beat, you get beat, you move on. <laughs> What's got you down, Dirty Tom? play makes me crazy. <laughs> the other team's more physical than you are. That's fine. No problem. I understand it. I've had physical teams in basketball and not physical teams. But dirty play is just unacceptable. Uh, you can follow us here on uh, YouTube slash Chatterbox Sports. I'm going to take this off for the time being. Mm -hmm. uh, we stream daily as well on Facebook via the Chatterbox Sports page. And you can find us in podcast form. Just search off the bench with Tom Brenneman. And you're dialed in at the Masters. Did you see this yesterday? What happened yesterday? I did not. Okay. Tom Hogue had one of five. Think about this for a second. You guys are big gambling guys, okay? He had one of five holes in one, including two by one guy. Ireland's Seamus Power in route to winning the par three contest at Augusta National yesterday. The five holes in one, needless to say, is a record. This is one of the most beloved traditions at the Masters. They do it every year. The players have a lot of fun. You can get your families to caddy, do whatever you want to do. But it's a par three tournament. And they had five holes in one. One guy has two. That has to be billions to one. Right? Astronomical. Tom, I got to ask you, you haven't golfed in a while. You ever, you ever had an ace? I have. You have? Yes. Is that when you hung him up? He said, I ain't topping this. I was down in Florida. Uh, you remember, well, you're not old enough to remember. The Cubs used to have a catcher named Rick Wilkins. Okay. He shows up on the scene his first year in the big leagues. He had 30 home runs. I mean, he was all the rage of Chicago. Great dude. From down in Jacksonville, Florida. Went to the same high school. I think it's Bowles High School Academy in Jacksonville. Uh, anyway, he had a charity golf tournament. He had a, he had a sister with special needs. And he had a charity golf tournament every year down there, and they would play it at the PGA. You know, the uh, TPC. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. know, where they have the big tournament and everything. So I had a buddy from college who lived down there. He owned a bunch of car washes down there. And so 
I was the MC of this uh, tournament, the big event that they would have at the end of it every year. And Rick had me do it like five years in a row, got to know his mom and dad and his sister really well. Anyway, I'm down there, and it's the day before. And, um, and so my buddy and I just go out and play at another local golf course down there in Jacksonville. And if there was ever a video of it, 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 was, it was the ugliest hole-in-one you could possibly have. Shank it off to the left, hits off a hill, and then comes rolling down. And because of another little hill, a green or a uh, uh, bunker, you can't see the ball. So I saw it hit the side of the I mean, it's a laser should have been high. You know, laser hits off the side of the hill, starts trickling down. We jump in a cart, drive up there. Ace! So you didn't even get to celebrate in the tee box? No. No. And I short, I uh, quit shortly thereafter. Uh, Tom, Bubba, throw, your head, throw your headset back on here. Let's, let's do this on the fly. Let's do it, baby. Let's see if we got All this right, rolling. let's see. We got it. You got it? You're dialed in, Paulie. Well, <laughs> I mean, you are dialed in. Credit Casey. We got it done. We got it done. All Casey right. working on his off K K Casey you working on his off You were back in the saddle when everybody else was invited to go to Kansas. Right? Yeah, you and I weren't. We, we, you and I were the only, the, the two Lone Rangers. We were right here. Credit Kate, K go, go back to bed, Casey. Go back to sleep. We got it covered. That's exactly right. All right, right on back to bed. By the way, I, I got to check this because this could be our. Um, Uh-oh. Yep. We got. I told you. Oh. I told you. We reached out to somebody about coming on the show, and I'm going to leave the name out. Reached out to somebody. And, uh, and based on what I did a couple of years ago, almost three years ago now, what I said, this is what you get. When you text somebody and you say, hey, is there any chance you could come on our show? Want to talk about fill in the blank? 90% of them, no problem. Dan Plezak yesterday, whoever else we've had on the show, Sean Casey, right on down the line, right? But when they write back, we need to check with the PR department if I can come on your show. As I said to you, when we got that text the other day, the second you get one of those, just forget it. We're not getting them on the show. No chance. No chance. That's fine. Probably better off without that person. Matter of fact, I know we are. Bubba Watson yesterday had an ace. He finished one back in that par three tournament. Watson is one of 17 players from the Live Tour that will play in the Masters beginning tomorrow. Tiger Woods will play the first two rounds of this, his 25th anniversary at the Masters starting today. He'll play with Victor Hovland and Xander Shoffley. That's a good threesome. The five-time Masters champ tees off at 10-18, so he's getting ready to go off in about five minutes. 124 on Friday. And, Paul, you will be there. I will. Are you going to follow around anybody in particular, or are you just going to just tiger all day? <laughs> I, I don't know the plan yet. I, I Seriously, I have no idea. I haven't really talked to anybody about it because, again, he was he was down there at the Masters yesterday, so yeah. I, he didn't have his phone. I haven't talked to anybody. But I this is the reason I almost didn't say anything on the show yesterday. I thought yesterday it got canceled. I got off the show, and I got a phone call that the plane tomorrow got canceled. So we had to move the flight to this afternoon, and then I didn't think I was going to be able to make it this afternoon. Got a bunch of things moved around. It worked out, but I have no idea. It's supposed to pour down rain tomorrow around 1.30 or 2 o'clock. It's supposed to thunder and lightning. Tiger tees off at 1.18. So I don't know. I'm, I'm totally – I have no idea what's happening. I am totally along for the ride here. I have had about 
one detail, and that is that your flight got changed, and that's it. So that, I have no idea what I'm getting myself into. Hey, similar to like we do it on the show. We'll yeah. do it on the fly, baby. We're doing it on the fly. Even maybe we'll maybe you'll live. have an echo in your head as you get on the plane <laughs> and, and go through the rest I'll of the I'll have a story day. to tell on Monday. That's exactly right. You know, it was interesting. Rory, Rory McIlroy, who's a good friend of Tiger Woods, right, and has been extremely outspoken about all the players on live and moving over to live and leaving the PGA Tour. But anyway, him and Tiger played a practice round a couple of days ago. And you may remember, Woods got into that terrible accident, uh, and he was in danger of losing his leg. It was so torn up in this automobile accident. So he has a hard time walking. In fact, it's hard to watch him try and walk, to be quite honest with you, even if you're not a Tiger fan. Uh, But McElroy said after playing in that practice round with him, that Woods is making all the shots that he used to make, every single one of them. And he believes that if Tiger can handle the walking, and apparently, as Paul Doherty pointed out the other day, said television does a nice job of presenting what that course looks like, but one thing it fails to do, is unable to do, is to show how hard it is physically to walk that course. A lot of up and down. And uh, McElroy made the comment that if Woods can handle that part, He thinks Woods has a chance to win the tournament. In baseball, Reds and your Cubbies rained out yesterday. Yeah, I went down there. Me and Trace both were down there. Just, I think he went in the stadium. I was just floating around Cincinnati, biding time, and uh, eventually got got canned. Disappointing. Now, because the way they shifted the the schedule, the Cubs don't come back to town until Labor Day, September. Yeah, it's a weird schedule this year. Yeah. Because now you're playing every team in baseball, at least one series, and you're playing every team in your division, two series at home, two series on the road. Yep. That's it. So they don't come back, as you mentioned, till uh, nearly the fall. Uh, anyway, Reds were rained out yesterday. Not only that, their game today in Philadelphia has already been canceled. They're getting all that rain that we had yesterday. And I don't know about you guys. I was looking for the animals lining up two by two yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it was a lot. There's a uh, there's a road that I take to get here, and it goes down down through a little valley, and it is right in the middle of one side of a lake, another side of a lake, and that road floods a lot. I was driving down the little hill this morning, and I'm telling you, the water was right at the top. You never see it up that high, and it was right at the top, and I'm thinking, where is that arc, baby? Where is it? Well, thankfully, that rain has stopped, and understand we're going to have about a week straight if those guys are right of incredible weather. But anyway, the game today in Philadelphia has already been called off. That game is the defending National League champions home opener. So now that will be played tomorrow. They built in that scheduled off day in case they had bad weather. The Phillies have won one game through their first two series this season. They lost to the Yankees and Garrett Cole yesterday, four to two. The National League Central Division leading Brewers finished off the Mets in a three-game sweep. A walk-off home run in the bottom of the ninth yesterday, 7-6. Brewers 5-1 to start the year. Now, help me if you guys know how to pronounce this young man's name. I do not. I know he's a Bearcat. Well, I I don't know if it's Weimer or Weimer, so forgive me. I'm sorry. If somebody knows in the chat. I think it's Weimer. I called one of his games when he played. For Cincinnati. I think it's Weimer. Okay. Well, Joey Weimer is his name. He's from Sylvania, Ohio. He was a fourth round draft pick out of the University of Cincinnati. 
He hit his first major league home run yesterday. Now, Weimer tore it up in the minor leagues. Mentioned he played at UC. He's only been in the minor leagues for two years, and now he's in the Brewers' starting lineup. Now, this is a question that I have had for a long, long time. And I used to talk about this with guys at the Reds. I've never understood how it is that the Reds miss on so many local talented players through the years when it comes to the draft. I've never understood it. Kevin Euclid, mm-hmm. right? This kid. Ian Happ. Ian Happ, who's just killed him. Right. Maybe more than any other player in baseball over the last four or five years, right? Right. Brandon Webb, who some of you may or may not remember, just down the road in Kentucky, won a Cy Young Award with the Diamondbacks, and then he got hurt. This guy had a chance to be a Hall of Fame pitcher, and he was the best pitcher in the National League for about a four-year run before his shoulder got hurt. I just don't understand it. I mean, if you're going to wait around and draft a guy in the fourth or fifth round, and Weimer was a fourth-round draft pick, you're going to take some. I would rather have the kid, if all things are equal, Wouldn't you rather have the kid who the chances are he grew up rooting for the Reds and it's his lifelong dream? No team has done that better through the years in the Atlanta Braves. Mm -hmm. They specifically zero in about a 90-mile radius in and around Atlanta. And if it comes down to picking one of those guys as opposed to some kid from Fresno, California, they're going to take that guy. I just don't understand it. I don't know how you miss on guys that are right there in your backyard and chances are they want to play for your team. College basketball, Paul, the Xavier front. Rice transfer, I believe his name is pronounced Oliveri, Quincy Oliveri from Western Kentucky. And Davion McKnight, a transfer from Western Kentucky, Oliveri is from Rice. Both have visits with Musketeers head coach Sean Miller. They're both coming off outstanding years at their former schools. So Sean Miller was really zeroed in on some dude from Arizona that he had recruited there, right? Yes, Kirk Carissa. He was a guard that played uh, for Arizona this year. Kind of a lightning rod. Uh, turned the ball over a lot, but at the same time, was I mean, he was really talented. Didn't defend all that well, but which, which is kind of interesting because he's going to West Virginia, and we all know Bob Huggins uh, values the defensive side of the floor a lot more than the offensive side of the floor. So uh, kind of interesting that Kerr's going to that system, but he is. And I really – I thought he was going to come to Xavier because Sean recruited him to Arizona. It seemed like a done deal, and then all of a sudden it wasn't. Now he's at West Virginia, but it is what it is. Uh, I don't know a ton about these guys, but I do know that uh, McKnight, the kid from Western Kentucky, uh, he's a gamer, as you say, Tom. He, he's, he is a gamer. Love and, gamers. And so uh, he, he excites me, the uh, possibility to get him. But as you were about to note here, some other big news on the, uh, on the schedule front, too, for Xavier. It is, and it's pretty exciting. Uh, it's not confirmed officially yet. At least not from what I've seen. It's, it's, it's a done it's, deal. Yeah, it's a done deal. Okay, well, it appears X will host the Houston Cougars next season in that Big East, Big 12 challenge. Houston, as you know, a lot of the year, number one ranked team in the country, number one seed in the tournament before getting knocked off by, I believe it was Miami, right? 
Miami beat them? Yes. Yes. Xavier is 4-0 in the event, but 0-2 all-time versus the Cougars. Now, let me ask you this, because you follow this. You're probably still staying up till 2 in the morning reading about it. <laughs> um, how many guys is Houston going to bring back from that team? Or lose from that team, maybe a better call. Well, that's that's what uh, that's the discussion right now. They just brought one, brought back one of their best players yesterday. Um, there's still a couple of guys that need to make some de- decisions on what's going to happen with their future. So, I think we'll have a, a better idea in the next week or so. But kind of the overall point that you're trying to get at here, I, I think that this is a, I think that this is a team that's, um, it's going to be like Houston's not going to lose a lot to the point where they're going to look a ton different and it's going to be a shell of themselves. Kelvin Sampson is going to reload no matter who, yeah. no matter who is on the team next year. It's going to be a very, very good team that rolls into Centos. So that, that's fun. Xavier's, um, you know, they've played some away games in this big 12 challenge. They've hosted Baylor. They've hosted, uh, I'm trying to think who else they've hosted in this. I, I had to go back and look. West Virginia but, last year. Uh, West Virginia last year. Yeah, that's right. Um, but uh, yeah, this is a great event. I'm, I'm, hoping that they continue it because their Gavit game with the Big Ten, that's about to end here soon. So we'll see. Well, uh, I, I think they announced recently that they extended two more years at Big East Big 12 Challenge, right? I, th- I think so. I, I think yeah. I read that. Uh, speaking of transfers, this news just broke a few moments ago. Moeller grad and uh, UC Bearcat Jeremiah Davenport is leaving the Bearcats. Yeah, we had a little party out there. Sean Spurlock, big Bearcats fan. Wasn't a big fan of Jeremiah Davenport. When he heard the news, he gave a couple fist pounds, little fist pumps. I always say, Casey, okay, you want to celebrate a guy leaving? Okay, it's your option as a fan. But the question is, who replaces him? The guy did average almost 10 points a game and did some things. He's six man, came off the bench. Who's replacing him? Time will tell. Some of these young players may be coming up. They're waiting still right on Nolly. Yeah. If he's going to come back. Rayvon Griffith. Jizzle James. Rolling into town. Get a little sizzle from Jizzle. Ooh. Um, <laughs> we are hoping to continue today. We certainly will tomorrow with a look at the Saints and the Panthers. We are waiting to find out if we're going to be talking about the Tennessee Titans at some point in time today. The biggest story in sports by far today is uh, the Masters. And so we have uh, Steve Flesh coming up in a little while. Uh, for those of you who are not old enough, I would make the argument, and maybe somebody in the chat would care to um, you know, chime in on this, I would make the argument that he's the greatest professional golfer to ever come out of this area born in Cincinnati but he grew up in northern Kentucky Cuffcath guy University of Kentucky goes on the corn ferry tour wins a couple times off he goes to the PGA um, wins four times there finished in the top seven in the Masters the U.S. Open and the PGA Championship top 20 finish at the British Open And now he's playing on the senior tour. But he is going to join us to talk a lot about this stuff um, that's going on with the Live Tour, PGA Tour, Live players coming in and playing, the challenge of playing at the Masters. Flesh was right there to win the Masters. I believe it was 07, 08. 
was in the lead, and it happens. Drops a ball in the drink, and that was it. Wound up finishing fifth. I think he dropped one in there on 14 or 15, something like that. Final day. Right there for the win. So we'll talk to him. Left-handed player. Um, and we'll visit with him to talk about uh, the Masters. Uh, some of you getting into some of the other stories in sports today. We're not getting into the Bud Light thing. <laughs> no. Chat's popping today. Masters coverage. Masters going on right now. We're going to have to keep an eye on that as they're uh, off and running. Yep. So neither one of you guys have any cash on this. I wanted to get Trace to come in here because he's got a lot of action on the Masters. I I have a fantasy, um, like one of those fan uh, – a, I have a, a fantasy lineup. Uh, yeah, I don't playing, know. I don't know what you. Local guy. Local I don't know what you set something up for you. I don't know right. what you. Uh, yeah, I don't know what you call these things. Like I, I don't really ever do these. I don't even know what you really right. call it. One of these fantasy things. Uh, I've Scotty Scheffler, Corey Connors, Brooks Kepka, Justin Thomas, Joaquin Neiman, and some dude named Kim. Tom. Tom. Jeff Kim. Kim. <laughs> Jeff Kim, Chatterbox legend. Yeah. So I'm doing a, a six six player little entry here for this. Really? We'll see how it rolls. Ten bucks. To so, win, to win whatever. Go ahead. Tom, are you a watch all all week Masters kind of guy? No. Are you settling on Sunday and watch it, or because my son will watch it twenty four seven. So just to hang out with him a little bit, you know, later this afternoon, after leaving here, watch a few. I uh, got to run a few errands. He gets out of school about three thirty p, and he'll be dialed in until practice tonight. So I'll watch a little bit with him, certainly over the weekend, if there are some guys that I'm interested in. Mm -hmm. You know, that's a thing in Paul Doherty. We've talked about this with him on the show, is that, you know, you, you've got certain guys out there that, that clearly are the best players. Scotty Scheffler is the best player in the world right now. Now, all of a sudden, you've got guys like, um, you know, Brooks Kepnick, who's healthy again. He's playing very well over on the Live Tour. Uh, Bubba Watson is always certainly a, um, a guy to watch at the Masters. He's already won it once. Will probably be in the hunt again. He's already off today, one over early on. Um, you know, and the Tigers and that kind of thing. If some of those guys are in the hunt, I'm all in. If it's a bunch of young guys that I've really never heard of, which we see a lot in golf today, right? Now, what about you? You going to sit around and watch it? Oh, no, I'm not. I'm not much of a golf guy. Don't You're watch not going to watch it at all? I'll, the I'll Masters. Tune, I'll tune in on Sunday. That's all I got. Tom, we got baseball. Not today. Not oh much baseball today. God. but. Why would I watch the Masters when I could watch, like, the Blue Jays play the Orioles? <laughs> You're not serious. No. You would. <laughs> okay. All right. As long as you're honest. That sounds like me turning on a West Coast basketball game at, like, 7 o'clock. Yes, on a, it does. On a Sunday night when there's Sunday night football going on. I want to check something here. Because I think today um, – If you're going to go to the Masters, and Paul, you are tomorrow. Yeah. You know, the, the, the one thing that, that if I was going to get there, that I would really be interested in watching, and I'm showing my age here, but these guys are starting to get older and older. The first tee time of the Masters today, which went off 740 this morning. Boy, now, if there is a group 
that you were there on a Thursday that you would want to walk around with all day long. How about the trio, the honorary starters, they call them. How about the trio of Gary Player, Tom Watson, and Jack Nicklaus? That's a good trio. You imagine following that group around? Be a lot of fun. Those guys are all getting up, got to be in their 80s now. Watson, not, not but, but certainly Player and Nicholas. And to be able to walk around and follow those guys, you know, Jack Nicholas is a Buckeye. I mean, a lot of you guys badmouth cities outside of Cincinnati, Ohio. Paul, you and Casey, all you do is kill Cleveland and, you know, all these places. Oh, Cleveland, I mean, yeah. Jack Nicholas is a Buckeye. Through He's and through. Born and raised in Upper Arlington, Ohio. Right outside the campus of the Ohio State University. That's where he went to college. You badmouth the Buckeye. You badmouth the Buckeyes all the time. Well, yeah, I don't care about Columbus Central Tech, whatever that that school is up there that you root for in the fall. But Agreed. it's funny. A couple of days ago, me and Paul are, are doing a broadcast together, and a kid comes up to the plate. He's from Upper Arlington. And I asked Paul, I was like, Paul, do you know Upper Arlington's mascot? And he goes, no, Reed, but I guarantee you're going to tell me. And I, <laughs> and I said, it's the Golden Bears. It's where Jack Nicholas went. And – Dropped a little golf knowledge yeah. on it. But see, what a lot of people don't know, it's I'm glad you brought that up because I was getting ready to bring it up. What a lot of people don't know is, is that they had the nickname the Golden Bears long before Jack Nicholas got there. A lot of people think that because of Jack Nicholas, that Upper Arlington changed their team, nick, their school nickname to the Golden Bears. Not true. He got the nickname Golden Bears because he went to Upper Arlington. And he had the blonde hair and, yeah. you know, big, burly guy. Back in those days, he was a real big, strong guy. But that would be the group to watch. Paul, I can't believe you didn't know the Upper Arlington Golden Bears. No. Well, it's not from around here. Yeah, Powerhouse, powerhouse in athletic school. In lacrosse, I bet. They're really good. Although, surprisingly, um, my cousin played lacrosse. St. X destroyed them the other day. Mm. But that's a big-time athletic – it's big-time school, period. I mean, it's right there, the first I – mean, you, you drive from literally Ohio Stadium. You drive about three miles, and there's Upper Arlington High School. Big league neighborhood, Scioto Country Club. They played the uh, U.S. Senior Open there two years ago. And that's kind of Jack. And then he branched off a little bit, made Muirfield, Dublin, Ohio, uh, his quote-unquote home course there. That's where they play the Memorial every year. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's he, that would be fun to watch that group. Oh, so here's, here's, uh, here's, here's my pitch on the Memorial this year. Okay. So I thought about this the other day because I've wanted to go to the Memorial for a while. haven't been able to make it. So I'm looking at it this year. Friday night, we all go down to Great American Ballpark. There's a Zach Brown concert after the game, 5 o'clock. Casey won't be there because he's getting married on Saturday night. And then Sunday – we all head on up to Columbus, and we go to uh, the Memorial. I say that's a nice little 72-hour stretch for the boys. Paul. It's not too bad. No. That's what I'm saying. Tom, you remember that show in the night? I don't know what kind of condition you're going to be in after Casey's wedding. What kind of condition are you going to be in, Tom? It's Probably not good. <laughs> Tom, have you, you ever seen that 90s show with a Tim Allen home improvement? Um. You remember it? Been a while. Yeah. But I do remember, and I like him very much. <laughs> I know what you're yeah, you know the neighbor that, that just 
like you never see his chin. He talks. He's talking to Tim Allen all the time. You never see his chin. That's Paul. He's in a new seat right now, and he's he keeps hiding behind the computer on the on the screen. So we just got Wilson from Home Improvement right next to it. It's, it's true. I know. I, I kind of I can't move anything around. Casey's got a little stationary desk here. I can't I can't do anything here. You know, speaking of, uh, I, I was thinking yesterday, and I meant to bring it up at the time when uh, we had Dan Plesak on, and we certainly thank him for uh, for his time yesterday. He was a great interview. Uh, he had made the comment that his mom is a hairdresser. I don't know if you caught that part when he was talking about his dad and his mom growing up in Crown Point, Indiana. And every time somebody makes reference to a hairdresser, I can't think of anything else than you allowing some relative of yours, or soon-to-be relative of yours, right, to cut your hair, right? Yeah. Your, your girlfriend, Yeah. right? Her what? Cousin? Cousin. Cousin. Just got a haircut last night. I know. I was getting yeah. ready to make the comment. Same person cut it again? Yeah. Is your girlfriend, is she instructing anything on how to, how to cut the hair? Is she even there when you do it? She was there. Yeah, yeah. She, I mean, what does she say? Because Reed's got, got a big league haircut. I mean, he, my wife's he, a hairstylist. Looking, I know. He's looking good. You don't like it. Well, it's not a matter <laughs> of not liking it. I'll have to ask Tracy Jones. I'm getting the vibe, Tom. Getting the vibe. No, no. It has nothing to do with that because, you know. Well, then what does it got to do with? It it just, it it makes me think about um, what that looks like. So she's not, is she sitting there while you're sitting in a chair in what, the kitchen or the bathroom or what? Yeah, no. I mean, the the salon is right next to her. Oh, so it's a salon. Yeah, yeah. Okay. It's right next to her school, so she just comes right across the street. And you want to give it any pub while we're on the show here? It's actually, you know, you even know the name of the place. It's well, or you, you know, just what? go there because it's free. The is fu- it free? No, it's not free. the The funny thing is, it's actually got the same name as Reed's wife's salon. So when I go down there, they were telling me that a lot of times they get like Reed's wife's clients, and then vice versa will come up here and down there because they're not related, but it's the same spot. Revive, Revive Salon. They actually sponsor some of our high school stuff. So the one here in Hamilton, at least. So, yeah. So we have a little pub. Ask for Mariana if you ever need your haircut in Hamilton. You know what? I might. Yeah. Because, I, you know, I fight that constant battle. Maybe some of you are in the same boat, getting up there in age, you know, where, you know, it, it might look like here on camera that it's a good full head of hair and all that kind of thing. Well, it, you know, you can start to see through it now. The mm. top. Right? So every time I go in to get a haircut, because my wife likes it long, I like it buzz cut. Mm. So a little give and take, right? Marriage, allegedly, there's not a lot of take. There's a lot of give. Um, so, you know, I always want to go in and just boom, nothing down to like that. And my wife's like, no, 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 don't do that. So I always ask, and I'd be interested to hear from your wife. Mm-hmm. I'm sincere about this question. And there are other guys out there that are watching this show that understand this question. When you're starting to thin out, and I always ask whoever cuts it, and I don't have anybody regularly that cuts it, is are you better off cutting it down, kind of like to where you are, where yeah. you are, maybe a yeah. little less, right? Yeah. And, you know, it, it doesn't show off the, the, the holes in it. The way it does when, when it starts to get longer, you would think it's longer and it would cover up the holes, but it really doesn't. 
I'd be interested to hear what your your bride thinks about that. Yeah, I I don't know. I <laughs> it doesn't take too long to look at my hair to realize it's it, it ain't got many years left, Tom. So I think we're going through some similar uh, some similar hair problems. You and I are just getting a little thinner. Of course, you've got you got a couple years on me, so your hair's lasted a little longer. I might have another decade with this stuff, then then it's gonna be bald. So I'm holding on for dear life up top. You gotta hang on. Um, thank you, Sir Boy Wonder. He said that I remind him of Benjamin Franklin. Now, is that a nice thing to say? What do you think reminds Sir He's Boy? talking about, about the, the stuff hair. going bald and, you know, then having the, 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 the whole thing. I thought it was more. Brian like says the one thing I haven't lost is my hair. You were starting to say what? I was going to say, I thought maybe it was just because you're a man of liberty. You're just. Well, there's no question about that. And becoming a lone voice in the wilderness. <laughs> Bud Light. Good day for them. Good day for them. Golly day. Augie Bush is turning over in his grave right now. All right. So I want to get to baseball here for a minute, Reed, because you are a baseball guy. Okay, yeah. how much stock and, you know, Paul Doherty made the comment yesterday and I agree. Okay, that you don't put a lot of stock in April and rarely should you put a lot of stock in 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 a, a, a player more than a team. But I'm going to talk about the team for now. But just, you know, when guys get brought up minor league guys in September and they knock the cover off the ball and all this kind of stuff and they look great, you know, a lot of people forget. Yeah, you might be facing some contenders who are running their A guys out there, but you're also facing some teams that are brought up guys from the minor leagues, and you're having a lot of success in the big leagues because you're facing a lot of those kinds of guys. So let's just throw out September for a minute. But in April, how much stock are you putting into some of these teams through two series? Anything at all? I, it's, it's so hard to tell. Basically, all you want is you want to have the building blocks, right? Most teams, if they have some young guys that they think might contribute later in the year, they're not coming up till May, June, later on. But you're trying to find the building blocks. And you got to remember, if at the end of the year you lose the, the division by two games, you could lose that right there at the beginning of the season. The Phillies starting out 1-5 and five or whatever they yep. did. That can hurt, right, at the end of the year if they're trying to get into the postseason and they look back and be like, man, if we just wouldn't have started slow, we might have we made this postseason. But, no, you don't. You don't read into a whole lot. The the one thing about the beginning of the season is, is you can make opinions very quickly because this is when fans are most engaged. This yep. is when fans are really locked in. So the start like uh, Vossler is having for the Reds, or the start like uh, Jake Fraley's having. Yep. All of a sudden it's June. They could they could barely be hitting their weight, but you'll still remember. Man, they were great for that first week. So you can make a lot of impressions in this first week or two. And if you're trying to make a big league roster as a player, if you're trying to stay consistently on the big league roster, you can be remembered here in the first two weeks, at least in the fans' minds. You know, I, 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 one th I'm with you all the way. Um, and, and one guy that comes to mind now, and already people are talking about it, what the Reds are going to do with Vossler. Right? I mean, all of a sudden, you've got a guy, and you can call it lightning in a bottle. You can call it whatever you want to call it. He's 29 years old. He was in the Cubs minor league system for a long time. Uh, they never gave him a chance to play in the big leagues. Off he goes. A couple of other teams. Makes his debut in the big leagues with the Giants. 
He's been signed and cut by a couple of other teams since. Reds bring him in, right? So two guys come to mind right now about what would you do. And I'm not claiming that I have the answer because I don't. I'm not the manager. I'm not the general manager. But let's start with Vossler. You know that Votto's coming back. I would not be surprised to see Votto back, maybe not for the Philadelphia series, but perhaps the Atlanta series, which is after that. Right. What are you going to do with Vossler? I, that's, that's the question. I know Trace, if you listen to Trace and Nick Kirby's podcast, Chatterbox Reds, then they'll be saying, listen, Vossler is the starting first baseman. Based off what you saw last year from Joey Votto, Vossler is playing better, and you, you ride the hot hand, right? If he if he's consistently getting hits and you keep riding him out there and then maybe you sprinkle in Joey Votto here here and there, it's going to be a tough situation for David Bell, and that's it's going to be very tough. Do you, do you ride the fan favorite? Do you ride the future Hall of Famer, Joey Votto, or do you get the guy who's playing well? There's no doubt about it. Well, we know how that's going to play out. It's Votto's last year here in a $25 million contract. So we'll get into all of this a little bit later. We mentioned we are very, very pleased today, grateful today, to have Steve Flesh join us. He, uh, we mentioned, born in Cincinnati, but grew up uh, on the other side of the mighty Ohio, went to Covcalf, then the University of Kentucky, got his PGA Tour card in 1997 after winning on the uh, Corn Ferry Tour, went on to win four times on the PGA Tour. He's had four top 20 finishes in major tournaments. We talked about the Masters finishing fifth in 2008. I've made the claim, and I don't know who could argue with it, that he's the greatest local golfer we have ever had from this area. And who better to talk about the Masters than Steve Flesh? I mean, you see him on TV. You're on the Fox broadcast. You've been on the Golf Channel, now playing on the – they don't call it the Senior Tour anymore, right, Steve? PGA Tour champions is the technical term for it, but we all still call it the old guys tour. How do you like that? It's a blast. It's so relaxed out there, and it's the guys we've competed against our whole life, but it's just a more relaxed atmosphere. We all get that we're an entertainment tour now, Tom. Um, you know, we play two pro-ams during the week. We're about selling sponsorships for the tour, semi-growing the game, trying to, you know, keep uh, a lot of fans still interested in their in the guys they rooted for growing up because yep. we realize there's a generation that isn't familiar with all the new faces. But we have a lot of fun out there, but it's still so competitive that I thought it was going to be more relaxed on myself when I'm out there playing, but I still get as worked up and nervous before I play and worrying about my game the night before as I did when I was playing the tour full-time. So it still seems like a job to me, but I have more fun during my job. You know, it's funny you bring that up because I got into a conversation about this uh, with a guy who's a big golf fan, friend of mine, and, and I was talking about the current state of the game. And I had even made this comment with, uh, with, with Paul and, and, and uh, Reed here a little while ago. You know, Steve, when, when you get to these uh, PGA Tour events now, there are so many incredibly gifted and great players, talented, young, young players. I mean, 18, 19, 20, your son, you know, right there was one of them. Um, and I think sometimes we, we, we want to see the big name guys, but there's a beauty to the underdog and a guy who comes out of nowhere. I would think that the senior tour, champions tour, would really be exciting I mean, group after group after group after group 
for a lot of guys that are my age and even a little bit younger than me. The popularity must just be and the camaraderie must be fantastic with the fans for you guys out there. It is. It's just it's it, it, it's the familiarity with all the names, Tom. You know, it's like you say, group after group of guys you've watched on TV your whole life. And listen, I would not want to start my career over right now with the depth of talent that's coming out of all these colleges and junior ranks. I mean, it is. I watch PGA Tour telecast now and I'm just like, I don't know anybody. I, you know, there's the yep. Jason Day or, you know, Rory, because they're the popular guys and guys that I kind of, my career on the PGA Tour was ending when they were first starting out. But all these kids under 26, 25 that are coming out of, you know, all these colleges, which now when I was in school, you know, at University of Kentucky, we had five scholarship players. And really the five guys who played week in, week out for us, two of them tended to be walk-ons because they were beating out the scholarship guys. I mean, now you have 10 scholarship guys for these schools, and it is a dogfight to see who the top five are going to get to play every week. And, you know, you watch some of these tournaments on the golf channel, these collegiate events, and it's amazing golf. And these kids now, they've learned a whole different game. You know, you and I grew up playing for Simmon Clubs, and not to say back in the day it was harder, but um, I liken it to we grew up playing the old wooden tennis rackets and these kids now are playing the Prince tennis rackets with the mm -hmm. oversized heads and they're swinging for the fences and that's fine. It's a new fun way of playing golf, but it's, it's harder to really discern who the best players in the game are because the margins between the best and the worst aren't near as great. Um, you know, back in the days of Nicholas and Trevino and Watson and Faldo and, and Tiger Woods, when he was playing, the equipment was not as forgiving. And I'm not going to go down this whole equipment, um, you know, lineage of when, oh, back in the day, it was so much harder. Yeah. But the old, the old for, for, uh, equipment made it easier to, to discern who are the best players in the game because there was an art and a skill to hit in the middle of the face. Now there's so much forgiveness that the miss hits aren't as penalized. And that's what you're seeing. These kids, they're great at playing golf. They know how to shoot low scores, but they've been learned, they've been taught how to how to just go full send hundred percent from day one. And that's not how I grew up. And I think a lot of guys on our tour grew up kind of, you know, every day you're feeling a little bit different in your game and you know what you can and can't try. But the equipment nowadays is affording guys the ability to just let it go. And um, I think it's a lot of fun to watch. But, you know, they're talking about turning back the equipment, turning back the yeah. ball now to not go as far because, it's, you know, some of these guys are hitting it too far. You still got to hit it fairly straight and you still got to make putts. And that's always been the game. And who who really cares if guys are shooting lower scores? That's a testament. But they cap it now. Can't ball can't go any further. The speed of the ball off the face can't come off any faster. So be it. But I hope they get a, you know, they set a limit now with this all this new, um, these ideas to turn it back to just kind of put a cap on it and let talent and ability play out more than just the forgiveness of the equipment. But it's fun to watch. And on our tour, the familiarity of the names just makes it even more fun. I mean, you still got Bernard Langer, who's like 98 winning tournaments. You know, it's, 
it, it's frustrating. The guy, he's he's so regimented, and he's he's you know got that German kind of organization of everything yeah. he does. Fun to watch, but he, I mean, he, you know, he's he's sixty three, and he's still winning golf tournaments out there left and right. So it's a lot of fun, and you know, I'm fifty five, and I'm playing golf for a living still. So man, I'm having a ball. Hey, Steve, walk me through, because I've always wondered, and, and, and I think uh, a lot of other people wonder, when, when we're not involved on a day-to-day basis with, with, with sports, and I'll have a lot of people ask me, hey, you know, what was it like traveling with the major league team? What was your day like? You know what I mean? And, you, you know, what'd you do? And, and then what were the flights like? And, you know, NFL stuff, whatever it might be. For a golfer, when you're playing, and you had a young family when, when you hit the tour, okay? So you got a wife and kids back at home and a whole nine yards, and you're trying to make your way and trying to become competitive, which you did uh, after being very successful on the Corn Ferry Tour. Um, what, what is the week like for a golfer? So if you finish playing somewhere on a Sunday, and let's say it's in Texas, one of the places you won down there, uh, and, and let's say the next stop is in Florida. Um, and so you finish your round on Sunday in Texas. What's the week like to get ready to, to the next tournament? chaos um only because traveling with little ones as anyone knows whether you're going on vacation or you know you're just going to visit family putting kids on a plane is not fun it's not easy and you know there's no handlers it was it was my wife and i with the two little ones so you got the stroller who's going to carry one who's who can walk you you know traveling with a car seat it's a pain in the ass um but you know that conversely that's the only way to make a. That's the only way you're going to make a living. So you got to take the show on the road, but you know once once you finish on Sunday, you usually don't fly out that night because it's too much of a rush to get everybody going. You fly on a Monday, you know, not too early a flight because getting the kids up, you know, that early is is you know difficult and get them organized. But um, the tour facility, the tour helps. They have a, tr- a transportation committee that kind of makes sure everybody gets to the airport okay. If you need a bigger car, they'll give you a bigger car for the week. Um, but you're on your own. It's you know, there's nobody. I, now listen, I played a pro am up in Detroit years ago, and I happened to be uh, staying at the same hotel the White Sox were in town for, and it was a Ritz Carlton. They put us up at a nice place. It's not like that every week, but. I see all the White Sox bags laid out in the lobby and, you know, these, you know, the team managers taking the bags up yep. to the rooms. I'm like, look at these spoils, son of a bucks. You know, I'm like, they don't touch a bag. They probably don't pack their own bags, you know, and I'm thinking, wouldn't that be nice? But, you know, I'm, we're dragging the bags. I'm dragging my clubs out to the rental car, you know, place, getting the cars and, and traveling with a family's tough. It's no different than anybody else. But it, it's that's the great thing about golf. It's all on our own. I mean, you 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 make the cut, you make money, or you miss the cut, and you don't make you don't make anything. And that whole expense goes as a loss. But um, uh, that's the meritocracy of golf is what oh, I think has always been great. But you know, you fly into the next place. Fortunately, the transportation's there to pick you up. They take you to your hotel. You get a courtesy car for the week. But then it's, you know, it's on pretty much mom. What are we going to do with the yep. kids all week? You know, they have daycare for us, um, you know, every week. Like if, if you know, your wife wants to, you know, uh, go out to lunch with her friends, you know, they have daycare starting on Tuesday of each week, you know, but there's a four-hour maximum. You can't just drop your kids off at 8 a.m. 
and just pick them up at 8 p.m. You know, it's four-hour maximum, so if the your wife wants to go watch you play, they can during the week, stuff like that. But, you know, there's limits on it. They're, they're, they're babysitters only in the fact that there's a time limit. It's not all day. I mean, now you can hire out somebody or you can bring a nanny if you want. Um, you know, times have changed a little bit. Now more people, I think, bring in nannies. They're flying privately, which fortunately I did for about four years when the kids were really small because cost-wise, it was it was cheaper, basically, than buying, four, you know, if I only have an hour flight from, say, Dallas to New Orleans or whatever it was, you know, I, I had the deal where I, you know, one hour on that plane was cheaper than buying four plane tickets, yep. and I could write the whole thing off. But um, pretty much chaos. Um, just like anybody else going on vacation or whatever, flying with kids is not easy. But, you know, then the thing is, the thing is once they get in school, then I'm on my own out there again because, you know, mom and the kids stay at home and it's harder to travel. They don't have the free time. Um, that's about it. You know, it's 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 just not easy. It's But you get used to it. It's just, you know, it's the how you make your living. That's right. That's right. Um, you finish fifth uh, at the Masters. <laughs> And, you know, I'm sure you look back and you think to yourself, man, I mean, you know, and the more and more you watch golf, I mean, we, we, we talk a lot about my son being a big lacrosse guy, but he also plays on the high school golf team just for something to do and he likes it and enjoys it. But when you're walking around, you know, and, and, and it, it, it could be a shot on the first hole, right? Your approach shot on the second, on, on the second hole. It could be on the fifth hole. Now you spread that over four days. Do you ever still look back now or even while you were doing Hey, who's your, who's your buddy there, by the way? That's Enzo. All he's right, a wine reiner. He's got a lot of energy. He wants to get on camera. Yeah. That's right. He's more than welcome. <laughs> we have dogs on camera all the time. Hell, I'm a dog, and I'm on two hours of this show every day. But, but the uh, do, do you look back and, and, and you say to yourself, or you just got to let it go? You're like, man, I finished fifth in the Masters. You know, in, in 08, I was standing on the 12th tee at Augusta, one shot off the lead, which Trevor Immelman was playing two groups behind me at the time. And, I mean, you know where you are. I mean, there's scoreboards that are the size of freaking 18-wheelers out there. You know where you stand. Um, and, you know, I mishit the shot a little bit on 12, misjudged the wind, and it, you know, hit in the bank and rolled back in the water. And, and I made a double, but... So then that put me three back. But what I always think back is, how did I react to that? Um, I felt like, man, now I'm three back. I got to put, I got to hit the gas here. No breaks going the rest of the, the last seven hole, last six holes. You know, let's just try, you know, birdie every hole. Well, you can't play Augusta National like that. You know, that was my one regret. I played so aggressively coming in, I made a couple more bogeys. And I'm like, you dumbass. You know, just yep. if I had to do it all over again, it, when you when you start the week, that's why you play practice rounds. That's why your game fits certain holes, certain courses better than others. You got to stick to your plan. And I basically threw the plan out the window um, in 08. Uh, course was difficult. I mean, that's why I think I think Trevor shot maybe five, six under and one. I mean, it was brutal. It was windy. It was chilly. It was firm and fast. Balls were rolling off greens. Greens were firm. And I'm just like, I got finished, and I kind of sat in the locker room, and I was like, what did you just do? 
and I kind of had a moment to myself. I always, you know, if ever I struggle, I kind of hang out in the locker room for about 15 minutes, assess it, and then it's done. I walk out and my friends would always be like, how do you put that behind you? And I was like, you just got to give me a few minutes to process it. It's over. You know, let's go have some dinner and have some fun. But that night, actually, I think for a couple months, I thought about that second nine a lot. And it was just a reassurance. There's a reason your game has been successful. You kind of play to your strengths. Mm -hmm. And I didn't on that second nine. And I tried to, I tried to just do stuff that I wasn't capable of in my game. But I tried it anyway. Going for 15 from a bad yardage off a hanging lie behind the trees. And, you know, I hit it way right. Ended up making a bogey because I, I didn't hit it in the water. But I just hit it way right where I couldn't get the ball up and down. And it was just like I learned from it. But that 08, that finish, I don't even remember what I finished in 08. But that uh, that second night, you know, the other, a lot of the other way, I finished sixth, I think, the next year. It was maybe a backdoor top ten. Um, I've always played well at Augusta National because a lot of the tee shots go right to left. If you think about uh, number nine, number 10, number 13, number 14, you know, they fit my eye a lot. And, man, I played great there. I putted well there, but you got to play Augusta National with a strategy. And I think that's we hear Roy McIlroy the last couple of days has got a plan and he's going to stick to it. He's, he's going to not let things bother him that are going to happen. And you, you have to do that, Augusta, because there's going to be some funky stuff going on out there, especially if it gets windy and it's such an exacting golf course. But you got to stick to your plan at Augusta National. You can't just wing it. Um, and in 08, when I, when I let that chance slip through my fingers, I was just inexperienced in how to handle a ma the magnitude of that situation at the time. Um, you know, you, you brought up the name McElroy, and I had, I had said a little bit in the opening of the show today that, uh, you know, I, he's good buddies with Tiger Woods uh, and uh, was out playing a practice round with him. He made the comments uh, in the press conference after. He said, look, he said, I've played a lot of rounds with this guy. He said he's making all the shots right now. We're just shot making. McElroy said, I think Woods has a chance to win this tournament. Now, whether you believe that or not, you know, it's up to anybody else. He said, but the challenge is going to be him walking. We know what happened with his leg. Uh, and Paul Doherty, who had been covering the Masters uh, for years and years and years, pointed out to us the other day that one thing television might not be able to bring to the audience at home is how challenging it is to walk that course. Is that, is that right? It's the truth. You know, it's, I don't know if you've ever been to Augusta. But I have not. TV, and especially how green the place is, I mean, it's the uniform, just the prettiest, you know, darkest shade of green that you see on TV, but it flattens out undulations. You know, what people don't even see on the first hole is you drive it out there, but you walk down about a 40-foot valley, then back up into the fairway. You're basically driving into an upslope, and that's why that whole place so long. But the 10th hole, you know, there's a, there's a, the 10th hole is almost as steep as the, as the slopes at Perfect North ski slope i mean it is wow it is down to the left i mean you're basically when you hit it you kind of look down like you know you can't see the ball land that's what it's tough and it's it's not just the downhill it's side hill and it's uphill and 18's uphill it's it's a tough course to walk and it tends to be uh a lot of standing around because since the course is so difficult you know you're waiting on the group in front of you a lot the time on your feet is the hardest part about playing Augusta National. The walk is difficult, but you stand a lot. And 
hey, listen, if Tiger could take a cart and he could, you know, sit down in between shots, he'd be a lot better off. I know he talks about, you know, looking forward to playing our tour where you have the option to take a cart if you want to or not. And a lot of the guys on our tour will walk nine and ride nine sometimes because mm-hmm. they – it's not the walking that's the difficult part. It's just the standing around. Every guy on our tour can walk 18 holes. But over the course of four and a half, five hours, I get tired of standing. Sometimes I'll play nine holes, you know, start nine with the intent of, of walking the whole 18 holes. But if I'm, we're behind a slow group or, you know, if there's a par fives that, you know, everybody's waiting to go four and two or par threes causing a hold up or just generally the pace of play stinks. I'll be like, screw it, and I'll hop in a cart for the net last nine. I mean, it's Would a Would you be in a favor of, of having carts on the PGA Tour, or is that just a stupid absolutely question? Absolutely not. Absolutely. It's, it's, a, it's a, you know, you talk about, you know, how what your product looks like on television. Uh, I think carts look terrible. I truly do. And they encourage us when we do take a, take a buggy, park it kind of out the rough, not out by your ball. Try, let's not be visible you know, with the carts and guys are better about that, but it, PGA tour guys are younger. They can handle it. I mean, there's guys, half the guys on our tour got a shoulder replacement, a knee replacement. You know, they've had multiple surgeries, you know, again, we're lucky we're still playing golf, but the carts are necessary um, for some guys. And, you know, some guys just aren't in very good shape. Let's be honest. But um, um, it adds to the competitive element of our tour that you have the option. It's not required. It's, you know, our majors don't allow carts though, which I see Tiger saying he's looking forward to having a buggy, you know, when he gets out on our tour, but none of our majors, which I would think are really only the only events that really interest Tiger, you know, playing us senior open, you know, British senior open, uh, PGA senior, they don't allow a cart. So unless he gets like a, uh, what do they call it? American Disabilities Act uh, right. exemption to take kind of one, thing, which right. he might be able to with the way his leg is. You know, th- that's not an option. But week in, week out, if you want a buggy, take a buggy. Who cares? There's some some of the veterans that's funny are outspoken about it. But then those same guys who've been outspoken, they get a bad back and they ride around. And I'm like, oh, okay, so now you can ride. But, <laughs> you know, you know, it's – you know, that's about all the drama on our tour. You know, it's like, you know, we just play golf. And, um, you know, in my five years out there so far, we used to, you know, get finished and maybe have a beer with, you know, your buddies in the locker room or, or in the in the, uh, the dining area. Now everybody goes and hits balls. It's so serious anymore. I don't like it as much. But yeah. uh, it's become ultra competitive. Some of these new guys filtering out have changed the environment where now our tour is as competitive as it was when we played the regular tour. If you were to just go out um, and watch or, or um, you know, to be able to walk around, you've done a lot of TV work uh, in the booth uh, for Fox and the Golf Channel, that kind of thing. But if you were a guy that was just going to the Masters today and tomorrow and you could go watch – Four guys. Who would you go watch? Roy McElroy. I mean, he's the easy one. Uh, you know, I would watch John Rahm because John Rahm plays with the gas pedal down the whole time. And he can because he just hits like a squeezy little fade out there, keeps the ball in play, but he is aggressive. Rory, because it's spectacular to watch him drive a golf ball. It's so high and so straight, and it's just full speed. 
But the other guys I might go watch are like a, uh, uh, well, you got to watch Tiger, you know, because Tiger was really one of the only players who had the guts to try difficult shots and pull them off. A lot of guys would want to try them, but they knew they didn't have the ability to pull it off, so they just kind of chip out or whatever. I mean, you remember some of the fantastic shots would, Tiger would hit, but he pulled them off. He very rarely, you know, screwed them up. So, you know, I don't know if he has the ability to do that much anymore, but Tiger isn't afraid, um, which is really cool. And then um, my fourth guy might be, geez, who comes to mind? Um, I don't know. I might only watch those three. Okay. <laughs> I'm pretty, I'm well, pretty I mean, finicky. I get it. You know, I, I, I get it. I was just out of the, uh, the Phoenix Open. We took uh, my wife and, and son and I went out there and we watched uh, Waste Management, they call it now. It used to be the Phoenix Open. Yeah. And, and, and went out there and watched some of those guys walking. Yeah, I mean, I, the, the, those would be the guys that I think I'd be right there with you. Maybe Scheffler mixed in a little bit just because he seems to be playing so well. It, it, when you look and knowing the course, I mean, if you were to handicap and maybe it's the guys you just said outside of Tiger, Rom, uh, McElroy. If you were to handicap, you know, the four or five guys that that you think have a legitimate chance to win this week, who would they be? Well, I, I don't think you can look past Scotty Scheffler, um, mainly because he's got such a great short game. And I know he's the defending champion and all that, but but – you can't ever underestimate a short game at, at Augusta National. I mean, look no further than Ben Crenshaw. He won two Masters, uh, and he's really generally, and he would admit this, not, never been one of the best ball strikers out there, but his short game saved him. And he and, and that's how he won his two green jackets. But, um, you know, I, I keep harping on the same guy, John Rahm. I just I feel like those three guys are far and he and Rory McIlroy as well. Those guys are just so far and away ahead the top three players in the world right now. But you to go farther down the list, uh, if they get all this rain and um, the course plays soft, length is just going to be at such a premium. Years ago, when Zach Johnson won, he laid up on every par five, yeah, and he wedged it and putted it, putted it great. But Augusta has changed so much since then. It's so much longer. Even laying it up uh, on the par fives, it makes a difference. But all the other par fours are still so long. At that time when Zach won, you know, the seventh hole wasn't as long. The eleventh uh, hole wasn't as long. Um, and those holes really, I mean, going into those holes with, with long irons or hybrids, you know, you're at, you've got a tall order ahead if you think you can compete. So... Um, you know, I'd like to say Tiger could contend. I, I, I think Tiger's difficulty is just the endurance of it all. But, um, you know, I, I, I would be hard pressed to think anybody outside those top three, uh, would have a chance this week. Well, I mean, I, I you know, look, I only got a couple more questions. I appreciate you being generous with your time. Steve Flesh, uh, kind enough to join us. It sounds to me if I'm hearing you right, and maybe I'm misunderstanding. <laughs> they, 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 that, they, that they, have changed Augusta through the years, and they're always trying to change it and make improvements that they think are improvements, whatever it might be, that, that if I hear you right, seems to help the bombers, right? But then you have the USGA that does not oversee the Masters or some of these other things, right? Where they want to create changes, as we were talking a little bit about earlier, to the um, 
to the ball. Where now all of a sudden, the Bombers are, are they're still Bombers, but, but it, they can't take the advantage because of the way the ball is constructed, that they can't do some of the things uh, that they would do with whatever ball it is they're playing now. So, I mean, what does the tour want to be? Does it want to be we're going to continue to give advantages to the Bombers or we want to try to create the equipment where it gives the shot makers, for lack of a better term, right? It gives them the Curtis Stranges of the world from years past, two-time U.S. Open champ. Gives those guys a chance. Listen, the tour is all about highlighting its superstars. Now, the superstars in the last few years generally tend to be the Bombers because it's fun to watch, but it's because, and Dustin Johnson, he, he could, you know, I was just thinking he could compete again this week too. I mean, I know he's gone to play the live tour, but listen, that guy's, I don't know what his world ranking is. He's dropped down to 60th, whatever. You'd be hard pressed to think of five other guys ahead of him who are better golfers in the world, but he's a bomber. Now, what the, what the USGA has done with this ball thing, trying to roll it back, is because courses are – they're running out of real estate trying to build golf courses big enough for these tour events. Well, I think that's – it's short-sighted to say, you know, let's just roll the ball back to um, – well, I mean, I, it's short-sighted to say, oh, well, we can just keep adding length because land is expensive. So if they roll the ball back – the bombers are still going to be the bombers. I don't care who you are, but what it becomes to the onus now falls on the setup of the golf courses, which is a whole nother thing. But you know, how wide do you make the fairways? How long do you make the rough? People say, Oh, just grow the rough long. Well, you can't just grow the rough long because that still benefits the bombers because, you know, say I hit it 300 yards and you hit it 250 but you miss a couple fairways and I miss a couple fairways. Well, if we're playing a 400 yard hole, you've got 150 yards in and I got a hundred yards in. If you're 150 out of the rough and I'm a hundred yards out of the rough, I'm still going to hit the green more often and get the ball closer to the hole than you are. So you can't just grow rough. You know, you have to make, you know, the greens firm, narrow the fairways um, a little bit. So being in the fairway is an advantage, but, that's a hard thing to balance how to set up the course because the bombers are still always going to have less less club into the greens. It's hard. It, it, the USGA kind of lost their way not taking care of this years ago. You know, they're kind of, you know, dogs chasing their tails here mm -hmm. trying to figure this out. But, you know, the horse is out of the barn. They've let it go so long now. This needed to be addressed 20 years ago. The groove change they made, jeez, um, 18, 20 years ago now, had zero effect. They thought that we'll get rid of square grooves. That'll change how people control the ball. Total waste of time. Um, but now, you know, the PGA Tour is always going to highlight its stars, and the stars tend to be the guys who hit it. A, let's, not, let's not fool ourselves. All these guys on tour now hit it a long way. They, that's just how they've been groomed and how they've learned how to play the game. But the guys who, you know, Put the best and and iron it the best are the guys who are going to succeed, you know, because they all can hit it a mile. But you still got to you still got to have the the stomach to handle the pressure, and you still got to make the putts. But the bombers, it just generally tends to make it easier on them the farther the farther they get it out there. And the USGA rolling it back, 
it it will affect a little bit of the game but these guys are they're, they're training every day you know they're learning to increase the speed how to hit it further if they put more spin on the ball guys will just lower the loft on their drivers but they'll still figure out a way to hit to maximize everything but you know you can't you can't fight technology and you can't fight athletes improving their physical fitness and that's you know the usga kind of missed it by about 15 20 years now but anything they can do to make the maximum speed of the ball off the club face you know finite now where it can't go any further will help but guys are good you know you, they're not going to raise the rim and in the nba because guys are bigger taller and stronger and they jump higher now you know it's let's keep the game what it is but you know if guys shoot lower scores so be it but the average score on tour hasn't gone down a significant amount in the last 10 years last uh two things i want to ask you about um sh- should there be this much animosity Seems to be a lot of it, especially with a, a few players in particular, maybe not across the board, with this whole live thing. I mean, what are your thoughts about it? I, you know, I, I sit there and I was talking to, you know, my, my son about it last night. I'm like, you know, I, I wrestle with this thing. I get the whole PGA thing and how good it's been to all of you guys and how good it was for all of these guys and to put them in a position where they are. And then all of a sudden, Steve, you know, human nature, hey, man. You know, I think Fred Couples made the quip the other day. You know, I can't understand why they're giving Mickelson $200 million to go shoot 74. Well, you know what? I'll take $200 million for somebody to go sh- have me shoot 70, if I could shoot 74. I mean, what, what are your thoughts on this whole live thing? And, and do they ultimately merge when all is said and done? Uh, will they merge? No. Um, I've been, I mean, obviously I've been asked this question a lot because I'm not afraid to speak my mind a little bit, but, you know, uh, my son and I somehow, we're in this group text with Fred, couples, and so we hear a lot of what he has to say, and I feel, I feel very similar to Fred in the fact that I don't, I don't have a beef with any of the guys who've gone. You know, if when I was 40 years old and my game was declining and I couldn't beat, you know, a lot of these guys on tour and somebody says, okay, First of all, put it this way. It's easy to say I wouldn't take the money until somebody slides a platter of That's right. just say $30 million in front of your face. Now now it's real, right? So it's easy to say, no way I'd do it. You're damn right I would have done it probably at the time because it's generational wealth. I mean, you're taking care of your kids' kids, your grandkids. I mean, forever, right? So I don't blame one guy for taking it. My only thing is the same as Fred's. Don't knock the institution that helped give you that platform to be offered that money on your way out the door. You know, you know, Phil, when's the way I feel I heard and read a bunch of stuff that Phil was quiet at the champions dinner, you know, Tuesday night at Augusta National. First of all, when's the last time that Phil's ever been quiet about anything? You know, Phil, Phil's an expert about a lot of things. Just ask him. That's how you, that's that's how he got his his nickname Fig Jam, you know. I think we can all figure out what that means. Yeah. But he um, he I think realizes that man I hey I've got two hundred million dollars and he isn't playing his his greatest golf. But I think he was like, at what cost did I do that? Yeah. You know, um, and I think that's the biggest contention. It's not that any guy blames or is mad at an individual. It's the insinuation that their product is is better 
it's going to take over the PGA tour. It's going to coexist. I mean, no, you know, where the money's coming in Saudi Arabia, not pretty, um, from any, by anyone stretch, but it, uh, it just, you know, Greg Norman has always been a pariah with the PGA tour. He tried to get a tour like this of, you know, huge purses, very limited fields way long ago. Well, the PGA tour exists because of more than a dozen guys. It, um, you know, a dozen guys can't play 40 weeks a year. So you have to have a supporting cast in a movie. And you have to have a supporting cast on, you know, in the NBA, the MLB. The stars are always going to be the stars, but the but the leagues don't exist without the supporting casts. So that's kind of where the PGA Tour comes from. The Corn Ferry Tour, the Latin American Tour, you know, the McKenzie Tour up in Canada. All these are supporting casts of the PGA Tour, and that's how the product keeps evolving and being great every year. And live thinks that you don't need all those people well you know it's a big world a lot of players let's give everybody the chance you know to compete and, and excel at your sport and give every you know keep the dream alive for kids to play at the highest level whether it's nfl mlb nhl who you know you get my point right. but the live wants to eliminate that i mean they're playing 48 guys for 20 million dollars a week and they're not you know now they're going to have a q school where you know they're giving up, they're offering two spots or something like that. There's no open qualifier on a Monday. There's no cut to basically, you know, add an element of competition. It's basically, here's your team, play all year. Everybody makes a ton of money. We all go home. And to me, that's not, that's not major league competition, whether it's baseball, football, basketball, whatever. I mean, that's just not what golf has always been. And you know, that's for that reason, you know, all those things I just listed, the no Q school, whatever, if the live would just do any of those, they get their world ranking points, but they don't want to. They it, believe me, there's seven criteria to get to get world ranking points. They knew when they came up with the concept for their tour, what those seven criteria were. And they simply just said, we're going to do it our way. We're, we expect everybody to bow down and, and think we got the greatest concept here. Well, no other tour in the world adheres to those guidelines, but they are, it, you know, every, every other tour in the world adheres to those guidelines. They don't want to, but they expect to be, you know, accepted as, you know, a major accredited tour. And hey, if you want to be taken seriously, have your Q school, have your Monday qualifying, have your sponsor exemptions, have your, you know, avenues for young people to get out on your in your tour in your business no matter what it is and they don't want to do it like that so that's kind of their gripe but it's pretty simple all the guys knew what they signed up for when they when they got offered this these contracts with live and they chose to go that way so be it that's great but just don't kick the pga tour and the yep. corn ferry tour you know on your way out the door it's it's that easy and that's that's the animosity with it all but my worry, and I'm, I know I'm getting long-winded, these purses now that these guys are playing for, $20 million in the match play, $15 million this week at the, at the Masters, it's so much money. I worry how long Rory McIlroy and John Rahm and Scotty Scheffler are going to play this game. How much money do you need to where you don't lose the incentive to go play? I mean, I see it in the guys playing the live. What's the incentive now when you've got all this money your events aren't getting any world ranking points. You have no, you're, you have a very small avenue to get into major championships now going forward. 
I got all this money now. It's like a retired, a retired major leaguer NFL player. They retire early, you know, early thirties. They've got uh, $80 million in their account or whatever. Now what? Now, now what do I do to create that, that anxiousness and, you know, nervousness of going out on the field on opening day or, you know, taking that first snap, you know, of the game, where do you, where do you get that, that energy? Where do you get that vibe? And, you know, I feel like that's what's, that's going on with live. They, they are on an Island right now and they're not doing anything to change that. They just want people to say, here's your world ranking points. Quit, quit complaining. It ain't going that way. They're losing lawsuits. They just lost one in Europe yesterday. Uh, saying that the guys aren't, you know, European guys aren't eligible for the Ryder Cup team, don't have to play, aren't eligible to play the DP World events. So you got Poulter, Sergio Garcia, Lee Westwood, Henrik Stenson. Now they're on an island because they lost that lawsuit. I I think it's going away sooner than the tours are going to merge. It'll never emerge. All right. Uh, last thing I'm going to ask you about, because everybody in the chat is bringing it up. You're a Kentucky guy through and through over your shoulder there. I mean, we you got the basketball. Is that a UK national championship ball back that's there? Tubby, you, that's you got Tubby the bourbon. Smith. You got yep. it all going. What is that? <laughs> that's Tubby Smith. That's a national championship ball with Tubby Smith. Uh, I don't drink bourbon, but I got to have it for friends that come over. But, uh, you know, I got a little Tito's over there. I might I might do a Tito's now and then. But all uh, right. yeah, as we go older, man, that drinking's hard on you. I don't I don't drink that much. It's too tough on my body, especially to play golf the next day. It's not a good idea. I'm thinking about doubling up on everything, but that's just my opinion. I'm, <laughs> I'm giving right? it some consideration. <laughs> hey, great to be with you, Steve. Thanks so much for your time, and good luck the rest of the way out on the tour or whatever it is you're doing. One of the all-time great good guys. Thank you for your time today. Absolutely. It was a lot of fun, and uh, I love what you're doing there. It's, it's great chat and uh, good insight, and hey, I'll come on anytime. Happy to, Tom. Thank you, Steve. Steve Flesh, kind enough to join us, and uh, he knows all about the Masters, man. Been there, done that. That's big time. Best golf forever from this area. Ever. By far. That's a big ligger. And obviously, he's still very much in tune. I, I found that live stuff very interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. On multiple levels, which we will talk about when we come back. We're going to take a break. I don't think I've gone this long in my 50s without finding the restroom. <laughs> More information than most of you might need, so forgive me. Hammond Eggers, Mr. President, a free man. Take it away. It's that type of the show, the Hammond Eggers. These guys are great. Trust me, I would know. I introduce all the best segments. Oh, there's that door. There's oh. the door. Hey. Reed, like talk to me. Yeah, I mean, that was a long, long interview. It was a great interview. And it was I found basically myself, a big interview. Yeah, it was, it was the big interview on a Thursday. That's kind of yeah. it's kind of content we give here on Chatterbox Sports. We yep. give you back-to-back -back big interviews, and I found myself, you know, constantly feeling the need to be rehydrated throughout the interview. Got to got to streamline my focus, and I kept going to this old Pawnee water. It's a new premium alkaline water, um, and I got to tell you, Paul, you've had it. I have had it a lot. This stuff tastes great. It's uh, it's the natural limestone filtration. They make it right here in Hamilton, Ohio, unlike the artificial processing that those other brands use. And the result is a healthy alkaline water that is also the best tasting water in the world. Visit their website at PawneeWater.com. That's P-A-H-H-N-I, water.com. And that's where you can get some of this great tasting water. Paul? That's absolutely right. I love coming on this show. 
why do you love coming on the show? Love well, it's it. So come off the bench to on the bench. It really feels like you, you show up at the park. You, you're not an everyday player, and then coach announces the lineup. They're like, "Hey, Reed, you're behind the dish today." You're like, "Heck yeah, I get to play today." That's why I like it. I like I like coming off the bench and love being a part, chopping it up with big league Paul and yeah, the former professional and and Tom and, <laughs> and also Casey when he's on the show. I just love coming on. What do you think Casey's doing today? Casey is stressing so much over this show right now. Oh, 100 percent. He is not even relaxing right now. Yeah, there's there is a there is no doubt in my mind that Casey has been watching this show for the last hour and 21 minutes and thinking. Please, God, don't let anything go wrong. Um, anyway. Well, we started off a little rocky. We started off a little rocky. I do, I do love that we have a – this is a new chair for you. So you haven't, yeah. lie, you haven't figured out the Casey, no, the Casey got, yeah. window. No. The, 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 C, the CW, the Casey window. And uh, we're, we're working yeah, on it. Yeah, we're all right. We're, we are – that the home improvement thing is what I think of almost every time Casey gets back here and then starts to, like, move the – Sure. The thing around, I'm always thinking home improvement. Yep. Um, Reed, you want to scroll up here a little bit on the on the. There we go. Scroll up a little bit. Yeah. Because we got to talk about uh, Tracy Jones. Oh yeah. Which is brought to you by Encore Technologies. Tracy's about to come on. Encore Technologies provides IT solutions for a data-centered world with a suite of services from mobile computing to desktop to data center, supporting both centralized and work-from-home computing models to improve efficiency and. Productivity! Ha <laughs> ha! Look at yes. that! Yes! Let's go, Reed! Yes! Visit Encore.tech. The path to innovation begins here. Look at that. That was great. Come on in right off the bench, filling in for Casey. We got you know, it going. You know what was a name? Just my, my baseball nerdiness came out was uh, Tom mentioned Brandon Webb earlier from, from oh my God. Oh boy. I've been looking was at he a pitcher, man. Tom, I know he got injured, but has anyone had the career exactly like he had? So just to just to fill you in, he wins the Cy Young, the National League Cy Young in 2006. I Two, was there for every pitch. 2007 was second in Cy Young. Yeah. 2008, second in Cy Young again. So he went Cy Young, then runner-up in back-to-back years. Yeah. He comes out to pitch opening day in 2009. Yep. Makes it out of the fourth inning. Never seen in a major league uniform again. Nope. Only pitched 12 more innings in his professional career. Through three years later, through in the minors, double A, never got to play again. He was Hall of Fame bound, Tom. I'm telling you, this guy, he was like 6'4", probably weighed 210, 215 good pounds. Good looking guy, cool guy. You know, Kentucky guy, just laid back, you know, all shucks and how about y'all that stuff. He, he, uh, I'll never forget. Um, the story of, I think it was Mark Grace, but, but the person is irrelevant. Um, nobody knew who Brandon Webb was and he shows up in spring training and somebody, I thought it was Grace. It might be somebody else is out playing catch with him to get loose Mm -hmm. before batting practice, just throwing the ball, playing catch. Mm -hmm. And the ball is just I mean, just falling off the table, just playing catch. And I think it was Grace who said, man, I don't know who this guy is, but, you know, I know he's a pitcher. But he said, if he pitches like he just plays catch, there are a whole lot of guys that are in a lot of trouble in the not-too-distant future. And that's exactly – he basically – he wasn't. But he basically was a one-pitch pitcher. 
but he had such incredible movement on his fastball as a sinker. Yeah. And guys who would try to hit it would tell you it'd be like hitting a, 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 a dumbbell. And they, 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 nobody hit the ball hard against this guy for three years. He was the best pitcher in the National League. And then all of a sudden, I mean, that's why and, – and we had Dr. Timothy Kremchak, who's one of the most well-known, one of the two or three best surgeons for Tommy John in the world, Tommy John being the elbow. But one thing medical science has never been able to do – and think about all the advances we've made in medicine, right? The one thing medical science has never been able to do is fix the shoulder. There are so many muscles and so much going on there that, they, that, that when you read about a – and look, you say a prayer for all of them, right? These are guys trying to make a living. When you read a story about a baseball pitcher that has an elbow injury, there's a good chance he's going to be back. Really good chance. Mm -hmm. You read a story about a guy in a shoulder problem, Done. And, and believe me, they know it too. I mean, you heard Dan Plesak talking about it yesterday. That shoulder all of a sudden, you know, went from throwing 97 to thinking he's throwing 97, looks up on a scoreboard and says 86. Mm -hmm. You know, and for starting pitchers, damn near impossible. Now, reliever, left-handed, the loogie thing they call it. hate that word, but, you know, um, can those guys ramp up, you know, come back, Maybe get it fixed a little bit. Maybe you're pitching a third or two-third. Well, now the rule changes. Three batters here. Two days later, three batters there. End of an inning, you're facing one. You know, yeah, then get by. Starting pitchers, you're in big trouble. And that's what happened to Webb. What was your last year in Arizona? What year, what year was Would have been uh, 08. 08. So, yeah, that was his last. He was on it. I mean, he was unbelievable how good he was. Gosh. Well, 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 you know, we were talking about having to run, uh, and Jim Pell, thank you, great interview with Steve Flesh, really broke down the differences between the PGA and live tours. Look who's in the house is uh, Richard from Indian Hill. He's here today, which means one thing. We had to reach out to Tracy Jones' PR department to see if we could clear him. I mean, where are you? You look like you're in a morgue. We can't even see your face. It's so dark. I don't know here. what it is with the with the. Is that any any better? I'm in Southern California. I'm helping my uh, sister-in-law move into her mansion. I cleaned five bathrooms yesterday. I cleaned them. Probably ten. Uh, I I am so exhausted. I can't think. I have no running water. I haven't showered for a day and a half. So please, if I, if I don't bring my A game today, I apologize. But I am exhausted, Tom. Absolutely. Let me walk this back a minute, Tracer. It's good to have you back. Um, you know, we, we made the comment the other day, and we'll get into this in a minute. But no, we'll get into it now. Uh, I made the comment to, to Paul, and, 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 and Reed was, was not in the seat, but he is today, and Casey was here yesterday. I'm like, you know, or two days ago. And I'm like, you know, you, really, you know where I'm going with this, right, Paul? Uh, you, you find out where you are in the totem pole. Uh, you know, you weren't with us Tuesday. Why again? 
What was it? I forget. I can't even think. Brennan and Jones. Brennan oh, and Jones. Doing, oh, oh, yeah. Hold on. Yes, I do. I was working. No, with not hold on a second. That's where you were. So, but but you know what? I got to tell you his question, and this is on. Brunneman and Jones on baseball on WLW. Marty's question to me, and I apologize for missing, but your, your dad will get very upset if I, I'm not on time. Uh, ask me, who does a better interview, Marty or, or my son, Tom? And you know what I said? What? Without a doubt, Tom is better. And I said, Marty, not that you're not bad. You just, you're not a network guy. If, Marty, you're more of a Midwest type broadcaster and Tom's just like a step above you look Tom looks big time Marty at times you're looking a little disheveled and I said Marty I think you could get better because I think Tom's peaked out if Marty if you work with me for another five years I think you could overtake Tom so I did miss the show but I paid you a lot of compliment there he was not happy either well, you know what? He'll get by. I got to tell you what, the guy has shown me, though, I was wondering at his age if he was much of a quote-unquote gamer anymore, okay? For a long time, he was a gamer. Then you start making a lot of money like some of the players and all this kind of stuff. You get a little comfortable. I got to tell you, last night and about seven days ago, downpour rain, not last night it was warm, but just Pouring down rain for two straight hours. Week before, pouring down rain, 35 degrees. He sat outside the entire game at our son's lacrosse games. Never complained one time. He, he really is something. And I kid around with him a lot. But I hope I'm as in good a shape as he is, both mentally and physically. You know, Tom, you know how difficult it is to work with me. Go ahead. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. And it really is difficult to work with him. You went out he's on just... us for a second there. You went out a second. So go ahead if you were starting to say something. We missed it. No, it's just he's so talented. And some things, when I say things, I, I don't catch him off guard at all. I mean, I never catch him flat-footed. And he comes right back at me. He's just, he's so sharp mentally and physically. I, I'm really impressed with your dad. He's 80, what's he, 86, 87? No, he just turned 80. Well, he looks, he looks 79. Yeah, yeah a little, little beat up, a little beat up. No, he's great. I don't know. I, you know he has good days and, and not so good like the rest of us. All right. I want to get back to this thing of what you're doing there in the house. I mean, I can just tell by the look in the room. There's nothing hung yet, but I can tell by the lighting. No. I can tell by the windows. This is a big league joint. And you're telling me, is it under construction still? You have no running water. You're sleeping there, what, on a mattress on the floor? Why can't you shower? What's going on? There's no running water. Uh, I have to, and you guys aren't going to believe this because sometimes I stretch a story. I don't know if you've ever noticed that, sometimes exaggerate. But I'm actually going to the bathroom in a portalette that's outside of this house. This house has been under construction for two and a half years. And if you hear noises in the background, they're getting ready to lay the concrete. We're having the plumbers here later on this afternoon. Uh, they're going to take care of the back house, which Danae and I are staying in. 
And uh, it's a very nice house, but a lot of work and very expensive. But I haven't had a cup of coffee, Tom. I'm tired as a son of a gun. And I don't know how you ham and eggers out there actually use your hands to work. I mean, my, I've got blisters on. These hands haven't done any work, manual labor in years. And I don't know how you guys do it. I really don't. Uh, Reed, you're, you're a fix-it kind of a guy using your hands. Uh, you know, you got any advice for Tracer? Yeah, I, I don't know. Just just be tougher, Tracy. I know you're from California. I mean, I'm, I'm renovating my home right now, and I'm, I'm doing it all myself, learning on the fly. And, you know, you got you got working hands. Got to get some calluses on there. Just got to be a little tougher, Tracy. I, I don't know what to tell you. Listen to this, boys. Listen to this. Are you ready for this? So yes. I'm cleaning the toilets. I'm on my fifth toilet, right? And I'm scrubbing. I've got CLR. See, I know the chemicals, too. Well, I start to get a little lightheaded. So I come out of the bathroom and, and uh, my sister-in-law says, Trace, you can take a 15 minute break. And I look over at her and I go, what does that mean? She says, in California, honest to God, you if you work four hours, you get 15 minutes off to take a break. Can you believe that, Tom? Well, I mean, I got no problem with that. I have no problem if you work for four hours, you get a 15-minute break. I got no problem oh, with that. Oh, come on. I don't. I don't have a well, problem with that at all. I mean, I might have a lot of problems with things. Matter of fact, 99% of the things in California I'd probably have a problem with. But a 15-minute break, I mean, come on. 15 minutes well, after four, what's a big deal? Guy goes out, has a smoke. No guy, guy goes out, calls his wife. Guy, I mean, come on. Come on. But what's see, a big deal? this is where I'm really... This is where I'm really good and you guys would be really proud of me. I negotiated a deal where I worked four hours and took a two hour break. So it was very beneficial. Oh, wow. So I needed to really take some time off and recoup. But can you imagine me scrubbing the toilet? Is that a great visual? How hard can it be to scrub a toilet? Well, I mean, the things it's been are just around. I mean, it takes you, it takes you four minutes to scrub a toilet not if you do a good job you got to get under the seat you got to get down because you know us guys sometimes miss the toilet and it trickles down the, the, the sides you got to get all that there's a lot to cleaning the toilet tom you got to use the right uh brushes uh you got to get the the film that's on it. It, it there's a lot to it i could probably write a book on cleaning toilets now because i'm really really good just like at everything else i'm good at well here, here's though what i'm having a hard time understanding and and i'm not the brightest bulb in the room you're staying at a guest house that doesn't have running water you can't have a cup of coffee um clearly the electricity is working but if you don't have water to pour in the coffee maker right you can't you can't make a cup of coffee big Nothing. leaguer like you I mean, I have to believe, I mean, virtually on every other corner out there in Southern California, there's a Four Seasons, there's a Ritz-Carlton, there's a, you know, high-end Marriott, wh whatever it might be. Why in the world are you and Danae not staying there where you get a good night's sleep? The two separate beds, you know, I get it. Um, you get a good night's sleep, you, 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 you take a shower, and, you know, there's, there's a cup of coffee waiting for you down there in the lobby the next morning. Because I'm extremely cheap. 
I cannot do that. It's, it's it, Tom, look, a, 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 a penny saved is a penny earned. Write that down. Have you ever heard that saying? You got it. You can't, I can't spend, I can't justify $400 a night here in California when I could rough it for one night, suck it up and save $400 and use that money when I come back to Bellevue and go to the brass ass. Do you know how many dances that can buy me? Hey, um, I, I want to get your thoughts because, I, I mean, I don't know. Are you much of a golf fan at all? I mean, do you care about the Masters starting today? You know, I don't. I don't, I don't care at, at all. You know, both of us are not golfers, and that's something that when I retire here in the next year or so, I'm really going to get into golf because it's frustrating for me to go out there and play so poorly and embarrass myself. And people always say to me, Boy, I thought you'd be a really good golfer, and I'm just not. And it's a game that I'm going to get down because I embarrass myself, and I don't like to do that. I get invited all the time, and I don't do it because I've humiliated myself. Yeah. I got to yeah. practice. I got to play. So, yeah, right. the golf thing is, is something I'm putting on the back burner. All right, so you don't care uh, about the Masters. Will you watch it? You like no. watching golf? No. Okay. Uh, I'd rather watch two frogs go at it. <laughs> what the hell are you laughing at hey, over there? You, you guys think that's funny? Hey, I got a question for you, Tom. Tom, I got yes, a question sir. for you. Please. How, how Bush League was it that the Angels and the Blue Jays do not bring their radio guys on the road? That is absolutely Bush League, in my opinion. And what, what do they, I don't know how that's, and especially Toronto and the Angels. I mean, they got a lot of money. No, but I got to tell you, Tracy, I got to tell you, uh, those are two of the organizations that I've heard about for a long, long time. And look, Artie Moreno, the owner of the Angels, uh, he's owned them for a long, long time. I know he takes a lot of heat there in Southern California. He was part of the original ownership with the Diamondbacks when I was there. I got to know him. I really like him as a human being, but I've never worked for him. Um, right. And, you know, um, it, it, it really is interesting, some of these big money, big market teams that are doing stuff like this. I mean, whether it's that or whether it's opting out of for their regular employees. Uh, a number of years ago, Major League Baseball basically got the regular employees, guys like me, my wife, when she was in uh, the business manager with the Diamondbacks, got them on the same pension that you guys are on, which is a great pension, right? Oh. And then yep. all of a sudden, yep. you know, a number of – every major league team went along with a program. And then all of a sudden, one team would drop out and another team would drop out. Most of those teams dropping out were the big money teams. So I'm not surprised to hear about that one iota. Hey, you want to save some money? I got an idea. Why don't you cut the uh, one of the 23 coaching staff – members right how many coaches do you need in analytic guys on a ball club right i mean it's up to i think i counted 13 coaches for the cincinnati reds tom when i played what did we have five yeah right it, it wasn't that money but god i tell you that, that is just so bush like and tom question for you on a serious note how does that work doing it from home because you had to broadcast right during covid how, how does that work? How, how does that play out? 
Well, it played out really well for my career. (laughs) (laughs) Was that when that happened? See, I didn't even know. I apologize. Let's take two on that, please. (laughs) No, you know, I know what you're asking. And look. You know um, what I'm not saying. I didn't find any problem with it at all. In fact, to be honest with you, every team because of COVID had to do the same thing. Right. The announcers weren't traveling with a team. Okay, so you had to do it off a monitor, which we were doing in downtown Cincinnati at the Fox Sports Ohio, then Fox Sports Ohio Studios, right? Um, There was a lot of talk that once teams realized and once Fox Valleys now realized that we don't need to spend – $15,000 a day getting a truck to broadcast on the road. We don't need to hire 30 people to work on a crew and how many tens of thousands of dollars that is over a three or four game series. We don't need to spend for hotel rooms or give guys uh, the per diem uh, that are working and traveling as part of the TV crew. So there was a lot of talk that most teams were not even going to go back to travel. TV crews. But I think some of them got embarrassed because he, right out of the gate, teams like the Cubs and the Yankees and some other teams were traveling their guys, and I think some other people got pretty embarrassed by it. So they decided to do it. But you know what? I would not be surprised at all if every sporting event outside of the World Series, certainly not the NFL. They're in a different league. But I would not be surprised at all because college basketball has gone this way, Paul. You know it. Yeah, I mean, guys are not, not not even traveling and coming to games anymore. A, a little bit. Fox got a, got Fox got better with that this year. Yes. Fo- Fox last year they relied a lot on the remote broadcast, especially at Xavier. They did a lot of remote broadcasts. But I, I think it's interesting you bring that up, Tracy, because the. I had that experience in 2021 when I was in the minor leagues. I had to do – they wouldn't let us travel for the radio, and we had to do the games off of the visiting feed. And, you know, in the minor leagues, they would not have the professional feeds or whatever, so you'd have the college intern, and sometimes the fly ball would look like it's going to the warning track, and then it would be a little pop fly on the infield, and you'd just have to go, and the people listening wouldn't know it. But the one thing you bring up about the Blue Jays that's interesting is, I don't know if you saw the story, Tracy, but yesterday during the broadcast, yesterday the day before, there was a fire alarm in the studio, and so the broadcast had to go off the air for like 10 minutes because the fire alarm was going off, and then when they came back on the air in the remote studio, you could hear the beeping in the background of the major league baseball broadcast it's like what are we doing here we're we're trying to run a professional ship what are we doing a bush league i mean it's so minor i can see it in the minors but i mean this is the big leagues and marty was telling me that the dodgers uh, built charlie steiner a room to broadcast in his house and that Rick Monday had an RV in the parking lot at Dodger Stadium, and that's how they did it. Rick Monday would go from his RV into the stadium, but Charlie Steiner built him. They built him a studio in his house. And I asked Marty about it, and I'm, I'm not, you know, I don't want to spread rumors, but I think if the Reds were to build Marty a studio in one of his homes, I think he'll come back and broadcast for the Reds. Now I don't want that rumor to be spread, but I'm saying. Marty gave me a wink after saying it. You know, I, I posed that question. He gave me the old, and you know what that means. He's gonna. He, he's thinking about it. What about that, Tom? Are you building that room, Tracy? 
you got a lot of construction That's under exactly your belt, right. right? Now that you're a, a hands-on kind of a guy. Are you building it? Toilets. That, that's all I'm good at. Mm. Cleaning, cleaning the toilets. Hey, are you guys liking the time on the baseball games? I'm sure Tom's loving it, right? There were two Love games every two second. I, I think it is. I, I, I mean, I, look, and I rarely ever pat myself on the back with this stuff, but I felt like the lone voice in the wilderness. <laughs> I saw this coming years before others. I was laughed at. Boys. I was abused on Twitter for openly <laughs> complaining about the time of game. People would say, if you don't like your job, quit your job. <laughs> yes. It was brutal to watch. It was unexciting. It was slow. It was awful to watch. And we had Dan Plesak from the Major League Baseball Network yeah. on here yesterday, and he made the comment, that now all of a sudden, although you didn't read Justin Verlander saying this to anybody who would listen, you didn't hear Max Scherzer saying it to anybody who didn't listen, now all of these guys think it's so great and it's something we've needed to do for a long time. Where Did were you they, see Tracy, when the game was dying? Where uh, were they what? when the game was dying? What? They were patting all Here's the analytics guys on the back and saying, hey, welcome aboard. Come on along for the ride, boys. Did, did you look at the numbers for the first four games, how the, the hitters were doing a lot better, whether we're talking about average, on base percentage, slugging? I think they had like, what, 0.8 uh, clock violations in those first four games. But there seemed to be a lot more action. And I'll tell you something that I really like is the base stealing. Base stealing is way, way up. And that's something they just really got away from. And I think that's a big part of the game. At least it used to be. And I think it's coming back. So the game is really, I was against the, the clock. Now I'm kind of, I don't like to admit I'm wrong, Tom. You know that. No, I know. But I knew you were going to change your mind on this. And I give you a lot of credit for admitting it. It's a better game, Tracy. It, it, it's a better game that has a chance to get young people to give a damn about it anymore. Well, I, I think I showed a lot of courage uh, to actually admit that I am wrong on this. I mean, it's, it's just something that I thought I didn't like the clock. I told your dad I didn't like the clock. And he got mad. He really got mad at me. I says, Marty, I don't like the clock. I'm kind of old school. And he shook his head, and I know, you know when he gets mad. He didn't like that. He says, everybody, Trace, but you likes the clock. Everyone but you. I says, you know what, Marty? The only people that like the clock are the broadcasters who want to get the hell out of there. That's who likes the clock. And I was wrong. And I apologize, but at least I have the courage. Seeing a little small ball broken in the game again, Tracy. We're seeing that. Yep. You take away the shift. Now, all of a sudden, you as a hitter, you step up there and you hit a rocket back up through the middle by the pitcher. It's not a shortstop standing there anymore to gobble it up behind a bag. That's a base hit. And going back yeah. to Tracy Jones' days, that means you're basically stealing second, stealing third. And you know what, Tom? I am stealing second, stealing third. And you know what? There's not a damn thing you can do about it because I'm standing on third base. Yeah, I just I, I think the game has is, is stepped it up a little bit, and I'm happy yeah. for baseball. And we talk about the small ball, and you know who that will help is the Cincinnati Reds. 
right? Because they got some speed and they can steal some bags. And I think that's really going to help the Reds. I want it because I've been traveling around the world and everything. I kind of missed on something. Did Hunter Green really hit 105? Is that is that a true read on that radar? No. Uh, Paul, that's you're the fastest no. pitch. Yeah, no. They 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 went back. They initially said that it hit 105 on the stadium gun. It said 105 and on TV, but then they went back and corrected it. They said he only hit 102. I don't know how they corrected it. They said it was a gun error, but it was only 102. Did only. I read? Okay. Did I read yesterday that Aroldis Chapman twice hit 104 miles an hour? Yes. Well, he hit 105 at Great American one time. Well, no, I'm talking about was, like now. Oh, he did. yeah, he's yeah. still on that hard. Yep. Yeah, I saw the video. He did, and the hitter actually had to put a good swing on. I just, I have to tell you, players are so much better nowadays. I don't know how you catch up to a 102 mile an hour fastball. I don't care if you know it's coming, Tom. It's still, you know, think about when Dibble was hitting 97 yep. or Nolan yep. Ryan. I mean, God, that ball was coming in 95. Eckersley at 95 or 94. That was yep. fast. I couldn't hit a good fastball, period. I mean, you had to, th I could hit the Thumbers. I could hit the Bob Neppers, the Shane Rawleys, <laughs> the Zane Smiths, throwing right. about, you know, topping out at 84. I'll kill those guys. I'll make a living all day long. But some of those high fastballs that these guys catch up to, that's pretty talented. That's a quick bat. That's a quick mind. Yeah, it is. Uh, Richard from Indian Hill, um, your uh, friend, acquaintance, I don't know what category you'd yeah. put him in. He asked an interesting question. Know. Since the Reds are in Philadelphia, can you give us your thoughts of your days traveling to Philadelphia? Some people really like it. Some people not so much. I always enjoyed the place. What about you? Oh, I think, I think Philadelphia is a pit. I, it's one of the worst places that I have ever ever played at pretty good hitters ballpark veterans i i tell you the nightlife which is always important to me i think was really really bad Do you know what they call a good looking girl in philadelphia tom a visitor uh, they have nothing you know those are the type of girls that are a little hairy you know that have that five o'clock shadow oh come on <laughs> Come on. Oh, I'm telling you, that's a terrible city. And you know it, too. And you know what? Talking, that conversation came up with your dad. He hate, he doesn't hate Philadelphia, but that's the one city your dad doesn't like either. And you liked it? You know, I really did. For whatever reason, I, I just, um, you know, I I did. I did like it. Both traveling there for uh, baseball and football. I, I enjoyed it. A little rough. Um, really rough. Uh, but really? I, I, I enjoyed it. Um, but, you know, that's the difference between a guy like me and a guy like you, though, Tracer. Southern California guy, Midwest Ohio guy. So, you know, the rough joints don't bother you too much. Guys like you, yeah. or, you know, and, and Paul, who basically is one of the East Coast liberal elitist from outside <laughs> of D.C. private school stuff. Whereas Reed Mouse yeah. and I, although he's a private school guy too, I'm going to put him in a category with you and Paul. <laughs> all right? Even though he's from Cincinnati, all right? Uh, or Hamilton. Yeah, Hamilton. That's the difference. Guys like uh, you guys can't handle Philadelphia. I'm not an East Coast guy at all. I'm a Midwest guy, believe it or not. I'm a Midwest. West Coast used to be the best, but to go to New Jersey, Philadelphia, Baltimore, terrible town. 
terrible. Yeah, Baltimore, town, and I know that's uh, near and really dear to rough. Paul's heart. Uh, yeah, Baltimore. Oh boy. Oh boy. Yeah, not good. Y- you know not what? Let, let me bring this point up. Bring, you know, we talk about playing in other people's ballparks. You know, that's really a ad- disadvantage for the Reds to play where they're playing. And no one's really made this point because it's such a good hitter's ballpark. I think teams really like to come to Cincinnati and play. I really do. I think they like the city on a serious note. It's a nice city. The fans are nice. It's not like walking into, you know, playing at Shea Stadium with Dwight Good coming out the bullpen on a Sunday game and you hear that planes from LaGuardia taking or landing. I think that's really a disadvantage because I used to, when I used to do extra innings on WLW, I used to see players that would come off the disabled list in Cincinnati at Great American right, Ballpark right, right. because it was such a good hitter's ballpark. So I don't think, you know, there's no home field advantage, is my point, with the Cincinnati Reds. It's All right, bad. so then what was your favorite town? If we've established that you're not a Philadelphia guy, you're not a New York guy, you're not a Baltimore guy, um, what was, I'm assuming, Southern California just to get back home, that was your favorite stop? You know, I didn't like coming to California. I think when you're as popular and as well-known in Southern California as I am, um, you know, I am from Hawthorne, the Beach Boys, Eddie Munster. Uh, it goes on, Jim Thorpe. We've talked about this before. You know, I mean, how many tickets? Tom, I'm only allowed four family tickets and, and two friends, right? I mean, I've got more than that. Um, but I tell you what, I did like, uh, I did like St. Louis. I like St. Louis. I like Planet Bush. Well, I, back I like in that. those like... days, back in those days, and for those who don't know, I'm with you on this. St. Louis used to be phenomenal. You know, the ballpark is right next door now to where it used to be. But back in those days, you could walk across the street right after the game and walk back to the hotel. Yeah. They had a lot of great joints right downtown. You go and have a cocktail, a guy like you go dance or something like that. But now, <laughs> now no one stays in downtown St. Louis anymore. It has been no. for a decade the most dangerous major city in America. It is yeah. brutal. So yeah. that's, that's not becoming, to give people an idea that don't know, there might be one or two teams that are just in for a three-game series. They'll stay downtown. You can walk across the street, and they still have a couple of decent hotels. But for, for teams that are going there regularly, it would be like coming to Cincinnati and staying in Mason. Right. Well, that's the way it is in Oakland, too, right? If you play for the John, if you go in and play Oakland, you stay in San Francisco. I mean, right. I liked St. Louis at the time. It was great. The hotel, I dated a girl from East St. Louis. I don't know if you're familiar with that area. It's very nice. Um, she was a great, great person. Very nice. I thought I might marry her at one time, but it fell through. Uh, but yeah, I, I like that. I'll tell you another place I like, Tom, is Arlington. You've been to Arlington where the stadium was or where the hotel was right there. And you can right see Right across the street. Right. Wasn't that cool? And next like to the uh, big amusement park there. Yeah, yep. I mean, really, it's yep. still, still all there. They, uh, they, they moved it slightly a little bit, that dome stadium. Boy, that place. Yeah. Have you seen that place? I haven't. I got to tell I you. I haven't seen that. You know, when you build a brand new stadium like that, right? I mean, you're expecting to look at it from the outside and think, wow. Well, 
It sits next to the Cowboys stadium. That stadium on the outside where the Rangers play. Now, inside, maybe it's very nice. I've never been in there. But when you just drive by, you see the Cowboys stadium, and then you see this place, it looks like, an Amazon It's warehouse. that bad. Wow. I, I, I thought in Texas they would do, do it upright. I'm very surprised at that. I've never heard that, Tom. I'm just talking about and, the and outside. I, I hear the outside yeah. is really, really nice. Yeah, I'm sure it is. I'm sure it is. You know, you, know, you talk about outside stadiums, Tom, and I, I, I start talking about old stadiums. Talking about a dump on the outside, but the coolest stadium I've ever been in, for me, as a player, the coolest, Tiger Stadium. Love See, it. I never got to get in there. Oh, God. You talk about baseball. I mean, you smell them cutting the grass, one of those. I know this is corny for a lot of people, but it was such a great ballpark. You were so close to the players. You had the overhang in uh, right field. Uh, you had uh, pillars that would get in the way of fans, right? Yeah. I mean, it was so old school. I mean, think about all the great players that played at Tiger Stadium. Oh, no doubt. Can you think of that? They had a – now, I'm, you guys think I'm kidding. There's a urinal right outside the uh, the benches, right, that you, you didn't have to go into the clubhouse. Can you imagine having that urinal and the memories of every great ball player that went – to the bathroom and I'm no, I'm serious. If you had one piece of memorabilia, wouldn't it be cool to have that urinal in your house? Well, I'd love to it. only if you could come over and clean it. And I, I've got a thing with bathrooms today. I don't know. I'm really into it. Maybe, I don't know. I'm looking outside right now, a portalette. When was the last time you, do you even know how a portalette works, Tom? Dude, have I, I have been in thousands of portalettes. In oh, please. I'll tell Thousands. you one thing. I will tell you this. I am not cleaning a portalette. I refuse. I mean, I can't do. I, I, I'm not cleaning that port portalette. Well, There's I can't blame. I can't. I cannot on. blame you for that one. That would. All be right, great. my man. It's great to catch up with you. Enjoy that beautiful right. sunshine second. in Southern thank California. You, thank you. What are you? Are you doing the plumbing in the battle or electrician? Okay. All right. I'll see you. I'll see you. All right. See, just making some friends here, Tom. See how I handled that? Very professionally. Did you, get a, did you get a cup of coffee finally? Was that a cup yeah, of coffee that was handed of the, to you? Workers. See, it's like I walk around here, and being a Major League Baseball player, I get coffee delivered to me. Uh, I just want running water so I can, please, I need to take a shower, uh, brush my teeth, shave. Guy that needs to shave needs a shower, right, Tom? Amen, brother. Amen. All right, Tracer, great catching up with you. Have a great time out in California, and we'll look forward to getting you back here in the heartland. Don't let that stuff right, rub off you on you out there. Don't let it happen. <laughs> well, see you, everyone. See you next All week. Right. See you, Trace. All right, boys. Great to have the Tracer back today. Yeah, it was great. Rare yep. form. As always. It's not even rare at this point. You're, you know what? Good point. Good point. All right, we have a very quick cherry on top here before we uh Let's before we get out i know we're at presented by udf we're up against it so this is our very own trace fowler went down to the reds game yesterday alongside reed mouse here wow and this is trace 
with, I'm assuming these are his sons? Yeah, right? this is his kids, Cam and uh, Grayson. Um, right after the game got canceled, got a picture with Hunter Green, it looks like. And Hunter Green even retweeted it. And, and said no kidding. Yeah. How cool is that? Yeah. Made, made sitting in the stadium for, for two and a half hours waiting on them to play. Made it made a memory out of it. And that's all that matters. Well, you know what? Good for Hunter Green. That's really cool. Obviously good for the Fowlers. But that's really cool by Hunter Green. Yep. Really cool. Like to see that kind of thing. Where was your picture with Hunter Green? What the hell were you doing? I didn't get in the stadium. Didn't go in. Oh, okay. I misunderstood yeah. you when you said earlier you went down there. I went down there, but I was waiting on the – I got into Cincinnati, and they already delayed it, so I was just you – know, So where were hang, you? Over in the banks? Hanging around the city. Yeah, OTR. Stopped really? The, yeah. It's found a nice little burger joint. Boy, they got a lot of nice joints, period, in OTR. Yeah, yeah it was cool. A lot happened down there. Yeah. Yep. Paul and all his Xavier friends don't go over there. No. It's kind of mm. – no. No, they got to stay over there at Dana Gardens. A public schooler like you and a guy from Hamilton like me. Nah, we don't I'm not putting you in that category. I'm not. I'm not. I'm, I'm from not. Hamilton. I'm not, I understand. But I, I want to. I tried to. And then I caught myself. Oh, mm -hmm. man. Tracy, Southern Californian. Paul, the East Coast liberal elite. <laughs> they call us the flyover part of the country. <laughs> On the East and the West Coast. We're just a flyover here. Forget all the peasants. <laughs> and then you. I mean, Hamilton is as, you know, rock solid right. as it gets. But sprinkle in the Baden thing. Hey, I just wanted to, just wanted to have religion class. Just, just wanted that. I can't extra. blame a man for that. Right. Just had to learn, then learn I, about the Then faith. I stand corrected. Just you just changed my mind. There you go. See, same with Read in me forever. <laughs> Paul and Tracy never. To quote <laughs> my old friend, Wild Man Walker. <laughs> All right, everybody. We'll look forward to seeing them. We're going to talk a lot of NFL tomorrow. Uh, Reds will be playing tomorrow, but they'll be playing uh, after we get off the air. But um, got the Masters. Tell you about what happened in the first round there. We thank Steve Flesh for his time. Paul, on your game today. Yep. We, we pulled it off, so Tom. so funny over there? Nothing. Nothing's funny at all. Okay. Pulled it off today, Tom. Great job over there. Thanks. Reed, good to have you here. Thank you. As always. Thank all of you. We'll look forward to... to to back to his religion classes on this holy week. <laughs> Good Lord willing, we're all back here in the saddle tomorrow. Have a great Thursday.